Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real. I'm Leif Eric. I'm here with my brother Torvald. Hi there. Welcome back. Uh, I'm also here with special guest, my sister Brita. Hello. And Brita yeah. and I are in a car right now on a uh, 10-hour road trip. So yep. our We've microphones got are going to very special weird. road trip episode today. Yeah. Very special road trip episode. If only means, we had a road trip movie to talk about. Yeah, if only we had <laughs> Yeah, we also don't have trip. any topics. <laughs> yeah, if only we knew what we were doing. <laughs> but we're going to have a nice, fun conversation. All right. So uh, have, have you guys seen any movies or anything this week? No, we've uh, been moving. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you want to hear about that, it's quite a story. But... Well, what happened? So we Buckle flew up. out on the 5th, and they were supposed to get there on the 8th. Now, I told my apartment complex that our last day would be the 9th to give us a little yeah. bit of extra time, right? Literally the day we get there, after a two-hour plane ride, one-hour car ride, we get there, and then we get a call from mom saying, oh, hey, I just got a call from the moving company, and they say they can either be there tomorrow <laughs> or on the 10th. What? <laughs> Neither like, of those this are is the when, days Okay, so I had been told that they were coming on the 8th. Now, on the way to the airport, mom told us that their range, which I didn't even know there was a range, their range was the... Seventh to the ninth, which again, okay. that's okay. That still gives yeah, us, even if it's the seventh, we still have at least a full day, right? So we get there at like 6 p.m. and we're told that they're coming tomorrow. And at this point, so mom calls me, then the moving company calls me, and the lady is like, Yeah, so they'll be there tomorrow, and the window of time is from 10 to 2. As soon as I hang up with her, I get a call from the guy who's actually gonna come do it with the moving. And he's like, yeah, we'll be there tomorrow. Uh, we'll be there between 8 and 10. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> the time kept moving up, yep. right? <laughs> they were just so itching Brita, to help you move. Right. They couldn't wait. So, Brita and I are like, wow, we have hours to clean and organize this whole house. Yeah. And so, we're like, well, we got to get rid of lots of stuff. We got to sort and organize. And we were doing it until, like, so late at night. We went to bed at, like, 2. Yeah, we, we need to be up before. We got up at thing. 5. Yeah, we got up yeah. at 5. So we got like three hours of sleep. And, but there were just so many things on our to-do list of things we need to sort and move and blah, 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 blah. And so they just come come in and they're like, you're here to move. And they, they were packing too, right? Because we knew we had to do this move quick and it's just Brita and right. me. But they were just packing everything, you know? And like, so we're trying to be like, well, maybe, you know, not that. But eventually we just kind of stepped aside because it, like, it was like a wrecking ball or, you know, <laughs> just an avalanche well, train wreck. Hold on, I don't you know, understand. Why, why didn't you want certain things packed? Well, just because we hadn't had a chance to really look at everything right uh, there were well, things that we weren't going to pack, pack well listen there was just lots of different things and we had discovered a pile of dirty towels that had been there for who knows how <laughs> long and we I'll put them in the laundry hamper because we're like <laughs> we will do this laundry because you can't do laundry after a certain hour in this apartment building so we're like we'll do this laundry in the morning but then in the morning we had so much to do and like we completely forgot about until literally after they had left we were like yeah. dang we, we, we are sweaty we need showers do we have any towels left? And I was like, oh, no, the towels. They're back to stinky, dirty towels. Yeah. They're not here anymore. We're wow. looking at them. They're gone. And yet they left random things that, like, like we did want packed, like the printer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there were four guys, and, like, clearly one of them was really smart and knew what to pack, but a lot of them <laughs> weren't. Dude. And we're just like, this goes. I don't know what this is. We'll just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And so, like, uh, and then they, What's like, we ended up printer? getting, <laughs> yep. we ended up getting charged more because uh, we hadn't had time to, like, get rid of stuff. 
so they're just packing up all like junk, right? Yeah. yeah would the, you say it's it's the you got your money's worth? Like, well, uh, was would, it worth I, it? So like, I think they were good at what they did, but I also do question the whole moving it up like five times. I think if you are paying someone to pack you up, they come when you are moving and not when they find it convenient, yeah. right? They come on the day you that say, that's what you're paying them for. So that's one thing. I did wonder if they had moved up the date several times to give us less time to sort so that we would have more boxes. So they could charge us more. I mean, geez, I don't know. That's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I have, what I evidence do you have to back up this theory? Right? I think I'm I've already backed. I mean, there's like nothing we can really do at this point. So, or at least not without a huge headache. So, gosh, I just, and I just can't get over those dirty towels that are going to be sitting in storage for <laughs> two months. They already there. smelled so <laughs> bad. I smell. cannot imagine how they will smell after being in, in storage in the heat. And maybe for it'll months. get so bad it'll loop back around to being good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like how you ferment wine. And yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so everything went storage. What we were trying to do yesterday was we were trying to get here, get rid of everything we don't need in storage, and then set aside everything we need with us so that everything. Oh, no. Else could get packed but by you them ended up and go putting into everything yeah, in but storage. Instead of, and instead, <laughs> instead we of, ended up putting a bunch of trash in storage and taking a bunch of things we don't need back with us, like the printer. Right. right. <laughs> but we thought we were going to have three days to organize, you know? Yeah. And we had like 12 hours, yeah. if that. It so sounds yeah, to me like. I would say Eric has some valid evidence for his no. conspiracy theory. So mom gave us a $100 bill, which I realized when she gave it to me, I had never seen a $100 bill in real life. Oh, really? No. I, I used to work in loans, so yes, I have. Yeah, Brita was a loan shark. I was a you loan You can't shark. see her, but she's like this big buff bodyguard, yeah, you know. people up for a living. She's yeah. Like multiple rows Six of teeth. tall. Never sleeps. <laughs> and Can only Skeleton made of cartilage. She <laughs> stops swimming, she dies. <laughs> yeah, all those things. Um, uh, Eric was talking. Right, right, right. right. So... Uh, she had given us a $100 bill to tip them with. But, like, these guys were out of there as soon as it was over. He was like, bye, and they just left. And I was like, I had the tip, but they just, I just but they, they didn't get it, right? Because they were just I mean, out maybe. of there. And the, so they had taken our trash bags. I, <laughs> <laughs> what? There, was a, there was a baby bouncer that was sitting near a box of trash bags. The main mover and I were on opposite sides, so I could see the baby bouncer, and I think maybe he could see the trash bags. From my perspective, he pointed to the baby bouncer and said, should we pack that? And I said, yes. <laughs> and then later, oh, no. when they left, the baby bouncer was still there, and the trash bags were gone. But interestingly, oh, those no. trash bags were in a cardboard box, and they left the They left the box. box. They took the bags, they took the bags out, of the out of the box, packed them <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so I was running after them, being like, wait, we need those trash bags. We're still cleaning. They were gone. <laughs> and they were just out of there, man. They were gone. Oh, no. And <laughs> the confused so, like, moving company. There was no possible way I was ever going to be able to tip them. Yeah, but luckily they I mean, can take some trash probably bags. Probably they were sitting yeah. there like, dude, this guy is so weird. He had us <laughs> unpack his trash and then repack it. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I don't want to shake his dirty hand. Towels. Like, and yet he didn't want us to take his printer. You were just as weird as they were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they left at least 10 extra rolls of tape in our apartment. 
<laughs> we just kept finding them. We just kept finding more and more rolls. They weren't even done. Wait, like, so they <laughs> brought tape with them, which yeah. they then hid around your apartment? <laughs> like yeah, an like, Easter like an Easter egg, egg hunt. Easter egg hunt, but with moving. They were like, you know, moving's yeah, pretty hard. Let's find a way to make it a little happier for them. They're like, you know, as I wish I could see their faces when they found that tape by hand. I love this. Like, who doesn't love finding tape? We're movers. We love tape. We love tape. Tape is great. Uh, All right, so how many thumbs up to give my theory? I'll give it a half a thumb. <laughs> oh, that's, is, is that how bleeding? you guys read? And also, how many uh, thumbs is this out of? Two? Two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, alien. Well, unless unless something is really sure. good. Yeah, I only right, have like we invited, <laughs> No, we invited you, Brita, so we could have some extra oh, thumbs, yeah. right? <laughs> so we can have <laughs> six thumbs. invited a, someone with opposable thumbs. Yeah, then. that's true. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Congrats. I'm glad you got everything out of there and, uh, you know, have a safe trip home, I guess. All right. That, that has, this has been the popcorn isn't real. Wow. Dude, what a great theory. So who do you guys think was the best captain in Star Trek? So are we concluding reboots like Chris Pine? Yeah, of course. All, all, every single Star Trek uh, iteration is okay here. But um, okay. for me, like, of course, Picard, you know, he's... He is a master negotiator. He is. Um, he's very level-headed, keeps his cool under, like, you know, the most stress. But then you got Janeway. <laughs> I mean, Janeway's nuts. She's, a, yeah. she's an utter psycho. <laughs> like, she'll, yeah. she'll send you out the airlock. And that <laughs> makes her a better she captain? doesn't have the facilities to keep you in the brig for the rest of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes decisiveness makes someone a good captain. Um, I will say, with only intimate knowledge of perhaps three, which would be William Shatner's Kirk, Chris Pine's Kirk, and... Captain Picard. I mean, I think that Picard, I would, of course, vote for him because he's awesome, but I think that you make a good point that he's a master negotiator and very calm under stress, but uh, but uh, he's especially good for what um, Starfleet is, which is a peaceful organization uh, right. that is their their job is to you know meet other nations and uh, get them to join their federation and such and to not cause wars. But during right, a time but- of war, I don't know if he would be as effective as a captain. Well, and you bring up a good point, which is should the Federation be a peaceful organization? Like their galaxy is really, really. Dangerous and full of like war and stuff, right? Like, I think they're kind of kidding themselves by pretending to be a peaceful organization because they are not. Like, they're clearly militaristic, right? Like, everything they do turns into a military engagement. Um, considering the size of their galaxy, though, I think it's amazing they do have as much peace as they do, you know? That's like, true. there's so many different species and and so many of them have warp capability, too. Right. Even with the Romulans and at one point with the Klingons, like, they've established neutral zones and treaties and stuff like that. Like, so it's not like they're in constant war. Yeah, they've got a pretty good track record. Um, I will right. also say, as an anthropologist, I think I'm a pretty big proponent of a an organization whose job is to meet other <laughs> cultures and not try to be militaristic Sorry. toward them and to meet them on their terms. Sorry, do we need to take a pause while Eric coughs? Gonna be on Frida's talking just then. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I should have been quieter. I choked on my drink. It's cracking. Probably take another drink. You're drinking urine. Yeah. <laughs> I choked on that too. Is that all they left I you? Poured, yes. <laughs> yeah, <they're horrible laughs> we were left with nothing. Yeah. 
I mean, it's the pandemic. We can't go to the store. Yeah, come on, Torvald. <laughs> oh, no. Where drinking, else are we going to get water? We've been drinking our shirt for months. <laughs> Two days. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> you are in a desert, I guess. Yeah. No, Eric's drinking a rock star, but so that it didn't spill. No, it's he, a monster. A monster. Sorry. He's drinking a monster, but so that it didn't spill, he put it in an empty water bottle, and then we it noticed like how tea. much it looks like stale, always, dehydrated the, the urine. The can of monster energy drink is green. And black. Yeah. And so I assumed that it would also be green in color like Mountain Dew, but it's yellow. I guess maybe Mountain Dew is yellow too. I don't know. I think Mountain Dew is yellow. It's just through a green bottle. Well, but why would they dye it when no one sees it? If, That's how I feel about myself. Why dye it? Yeah. No one sees me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pandemic. Oh, dude. I just Whoa. came up with a great catchphrase for obesity. <laughs> At least for shut-ins. Yeah. Um, but back to my point from before Eric started choking. I was saying that as an anthropologist, uh, I feel that a, an organization whose job is to explore and meet, meet new people on their terms and in their their, in their culture, in their way, is actually very important. And I think it's actually a really useful thing that, for example, the Federation will meet a new culture and maybe see something that they consider like oppressive or bad about them. And yet they still have this prime directive that says, no, you can't get involved with that um, because like, it's not fair to assert our mores and mor- moral and ethical beliefs on another, on another species, on another culture and group that we don't know. So I think that from those terms, I think it's better that uh, the Federation no, definitely, is a peaceful but organization. Like what the the standpoint that you're taking, it relies on the assumption that the Federation is better than everyone. <laughs> right? No, it like, doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yes, that's at all. the only way they can take that standpoint. I mean, and they actually portray this very well in the show when the Federation comes across uh, species like, for example, the Borg. Who are just going to come in and steamroll them because they have a completely different culture and are far more advanced than the Federation. There's literally nothing they can do. Like the only reason they didn't get absolutely assimilated by the Borg was because Clue clued Whoopi them Goldberg. into it, right? Oh. And yeah, oh, yeah I guess Whoopi Goldberg helped. <laughs> and then Janeway helped. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I don't understand how them not getting destroyed by the Borg because of luck or whatever you're saying means that they are better than everyone. Well, I'm saying that um, for them to take a standpoint of we are peaceful, we don't interfere, means they're also assuming we're better than anything that we're ever going to meet, right? Like they're saying we're the top of the top, so we need to kind of take care of every other society, right? Whereas there might be other uh, societies, other species that are more advanced than them and are going to kill them. Right. Mm -hmm. And if they approach a society that is more advanced and also going to kill them from the standpoint of we won't interfere with you, it's not going to end well for the Federation. Right. I just I don't think that your logic quite follows. Like, I think that, again, like I am an anthropologist. And so I can say, like, I could go and want to learn about a culture that, you know, doesn't have the same technology that our culture does. Or I could go and learn about a culture that is very advanced and maybe even has better technology than we do. And I don't think me wanting to learn about either one of them is me saying, like, well, you can't kill me. So I'm going to come learn about you. Right, but you're you're kind of equating an entire an entire civilization to a profession, right? Like you're saying the entire federation represents anthropologists. No, I'm not saying that the, the, the federation <laughs> represents anthropologists. What I'm saying is that from an anthropological standpoint, I think it's very important for an organization to take this this non interference standpoint. Like I think that that's a good thing. Right, but then what do they do if they come up against 
a civilization that just wants to kill anthropologists. Well, right. And that's why I would right. say that, like, the Federation, like you were saying, well, should they be militaristic? Like, that's why that's why they walk this middle ground. It's exactly that. It's that. that right. That, so does the, that mean that Kirk could be a better right? captain? Like, they didn't hunt down the Borg. Yeah, exactly. Because I think they still they still fall on that more non non interference line, but like Torvald's saying, they may run into something that is powerful and wants to kill them, and so they do have defensive capabilities. In fact, Kirk right. even says that at one point. Right, right, and, and they, that's what I'm saying is that they the didn't wars, need to kill the Borg, but they did need to be able to withstand the Borg to continue their non interference policy. Right, like yeah. But you started this off by saying, like, maybe they should be more militaristic. And I'm still saying, like, I think the amount right, of because, militarism they have is good and perhaps could stand to be toned down. Well, it's because the Borg were on their way. And if Clue hadn't let them know, then mm-hmm. they would not have been advanced is enough it, to withstand the Borg. Clue? They would have died. Isn't it Q? It is Q. Sorry, Q. I'm calling him Clue. Clue is from Tron. Yeah. I, I called him Clue because I said Clue him in. Yeah. <laughs> well, it took us way too long to notice that. <laughs> yep. No. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Q let them know that the Borg were coming. And I'm just saying, if he hadn't, they would have died. Right? Like, they, or not, been, they would have been assimilated. They, yes, they, there they was nothing they could have done to stop the Borg. So maybe a standpoint of we need to be prepared for other civilizations to come and attack us would have been more beneficial to them. Then Q, well, then Q wouldn't have had to come and help them, right? Yeah, but I think at the same time, like, that's the problem then, though, is that if you're like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, be more advanced so that we can defend ourselves better so that we can even maybe protect other civilizations from the Borg or whatever it is, that can also be seen by other civilizations as, like, military stockpiling and getting you into an arms race, right? No, definitely, like, yeah. And so then, so but then that just do you invites do? further Do you rely danger. on a benevolent god named Q to save you? Well, I mean, no, but do you also, like, get into an arms race and have a, a cold war, but now in space? Like, I mean, that's what they did, though. They had a big cold war in space with the for Klingons, the entire yeah. show. I mean, they did do that. I don't know. Right. And and under, I, I think under Kirk's rule, sorry, his rule, under Kirk's captainship, <laughs> under um, his lordship. I think that... I, I don't know. I mean, he might have been better equipped to deal with a situation like that because he he was more, like you said, militaristic. Like he was thinking yeah. more along the lines of a military man than Picard was, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that is, uh, to get back to your original question, which of these captains was the best, I think that is the best argument for perhaps anyone in favor <laughs> over Picard is that, that he's not as well equipped to deal with military situations and Kirk definitely i think is uh it yeah. sounds like janeway perhaps is as well, well my vote is for captain <laughs> pike. Just insane. pike okay what's, but what's he just turned into a into a, a <laughs> he, well maybe he a goes wheelchair. for me. no because pike is just kirk light and we just made an argument that maybe kirk would be better but he's a little bit of a loose cannon so go with pike okay so you are doing tv show pike not movie yeah pike. <laughs> Because, you know, he's like Kirk, but just not as extreme. But I don't know that you have enough evidence to support that. Dude, because we only have one episode's <laughs> yeah. worth I've of got some evidence. about Pike. Okay, t- go, go, go for it. Go. All right, so in that episode, the only episode with Pike, um, I guess we're going with, uh, what were they called, the Menagerie? Yeah. Is that the one, the one that ended up airing? <laughs> yes, that yeah. is the yeah, episode and then that the, aired. The original was The Cage, I think. But mm-hmm. in the Menagerie, um, uh, Pike is the captain. 
And number one is number one, who yep. is actually uh, uh, Luaxana Troy. Yes. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and then, uh, 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 what's his name? <laughs> I know his name. Leonard Nimoy. Spock. He is, uh, yes. he is the science, science officer, officer. right? Yep. So yeah. Spock is the only one still on the Enterprise from Pike to Kirk. He's the only right. one who yes. actually stayed with the crew. Now, in that episode, that is one of the few, if not only times, where we see Spock openly Smile. smiling yep. and like having a, an enjoyable time yeah. without <laughs> being like mind controlled right mm-hmm. like he smiles he smells the flowers he looks yeah. at pike with like a jovial expression like spock is enjoying himself and he's allowing himself to enjoy himself yeah, i remember and i was that pretty freaked be. out when i saw that episode and spock was smiling <laughs> right. yeah, it is it's really yeah, weird right <laughs> but that might be because pike is just Bye. such an awesome guy he's just so freaking cool <laughs> he makes <laughs> even spock feel okay. great you're right so this is a, a okay. favor of him yes he, he's right like he can make even even a, a Vulcan feel just jovial and, and happy-go-lucky, <laughs> then, you know, he's he, he is the person to bring peace to our galaxy. Okay, but counterpoint, what if the reason Spock was jovial and happy was not because he was uh, so enamored of Pike that he was just letting himself feel, um, <laughs> but was instead because this is when he was a younger Vulcan, this was perhaps, like, right, right after he left the Vi- Vulcan Science Academy, decided to... He's still got a little like human said. left exactly. in Exactly. He's still right. kind of experimenting and maybe even rebelling. Like, I want to live out my human roots. And this wasn't until he decided. Later, he decides, like, actually, no, I want to be full Vulcan. I want to not live that part of my life. Right. So yeah. I've, I've actually heard two theories about this. Um, the one theory is kind of along the lines of what you said, which was this is right when Spike, Spike, Spike. <laughs> when Spock <laughs> decided to go and join the Federation and basically become a human, right? Like, he left the Vulcans yeah. to join the humans. And he had made a conscious decision to embrace his human emotions at that time yes just because that's that was what he wanted to do and then later kind of rescinded on that decision um i've heard that theory i've also heard the theory that pike was just that much more of a serious hard-ass captain than kirk was that it forced spock to kind of open up and be a little happier just to keep the crew morale up <laughs> but um i don't uh, know yeah, if that, that one's does make sense it would be the logical thing for kirk to or for spock to do right exactly so like it against my point and we do see him do things like that like uh, sacrifice his own pride to help out, you know, for the good of his crew. So I thought, you know, there's maybe some truth to that, but... uh. Yeah, and there is the line from the movie, although said sarcastically, and again from the movie, not the series, but where uh, McCoy tells him, like, you just threw, or stranded Spock... Kirk! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Captain (laughs) Cock... <laughs> captain Cock is objectively the worst captain. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might be the best. I love captain Cock. Well, no, I think he's, Captain Spike is the best. He's pretty cocky. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, sorry. So he says you've just you, McCoy says you've just stranded Captain Kirk. Well, he wasn't the captain. First mate Kirk on this de- ice planet, and you're not showing any emotion. Like, what's wrong with you? And Spock responds, "If it will help the crew morale for me to be weeping and moaning." and like going about the the ship that way then I will gladly defer to your medical opinion uh, so oh. I would say that makes precedent for the fact that yes yeah. he can uh, show emotions for the good of the crew even though he doesn't necessarily agree with them or wouldn't do it normally yeah, yeah. definitely alright there you go 
So, well, what about, but that's an argument that Pike was actually a bad captain because well, you're saying that Pike yes. was so bad <laughs> that bad other captain. crew members needed so to compensate Spock for his badness. <laughs> I would say the argument that Spock is a, is the best captain could be made um, because you know he is very logical. He makes very good decisions. Uh, the problem is they do they specifically have one episode where they kind of try to counterpoint that. It's the one where he uh, goes with a, a shuttlecraft yeah, and gets stranded on an island. It does. It's it's terrible, and I thought that it was poorly done, and that the moral was bad. But I would say that that is evidence. You don't have a heart. You need a heart. Yeah, (laughs) you act like a machine. It was really bad. Um, Well, but Spock was right with every decision he made. He just happened to be with an idiot. No, exactly. He was right with every decision he made. And, like, he could have made other decisions, but they wouldn't have necessarily been better. Like, for example, he could have, like, said, okay, yeah, let's go do a show of force to scare off this native tribe of giants. And that could have actually caused the tribe to, like, just destroy their ship and kill them all right there. But we'll never know because we didn't get to see that. We got to see him being a logical and more anthropological person and saying, no, we're not going to to just destroy the civilization or terrify them or anything like that. Uh, But I would say that is evidence perhaps that he's not as good as a captain the other evidence I would say is that we we know that uh, he never seeks for command like when he's under Kirk he's never trying to be in command and even in alternate reality where they're like the most militaristic federation and everyone's like evil or whatever and Kirk has a beard um, that they go over into that reality and he would have every reason in this in this reality like they tell us that it's very common for first officers to murder the captain so that they can take command and I think McCoy even accuses him of trying to do this but instead that Spock in this alternate militaristic reality decides to help Kirk and McCoy and whoever else they're with get back to their original reality so he can get his captain back because he does not want command and so I would say right. that like it's possible that but these do you are remember his reasoning he, behind it why didn't he want command i mean i thought he he said he didn't want to get killed right like the, the person in charge is is the one who gets murdered right it was because he saw more gain for himself in his current position like he thought he would do better like personally like he would get more from yeah. not being the captain he kind of wanted yeah. a fall guy right and logical. I, mean, no, and I think that, that is kind logical, of shows but that he's good that's... at leading right like he, he knows yeah. how to game the system but it's good at, he's good at leading from not a leadership position like i think that he could be the best like leader okay. but he doesn't so want he needs to, to be heard not chair. seen is what you're saying yeah. sure yeah and so i think that 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 would be an argument against him being the best captain is that he doesn't want that position and like he that's not where he does his best leading from yeah also you know who's really good captain sulu because he says, Whoa. this is the USS Excelsior. We are here to assist you. Dude, he'll so always assist you. he's good at assisting. You. He's also really good at Captain Sulu in the movie. And then in the trailer, the Kirk says, fire. <laughs> <laughs> Did that make Kirk a good captain or a bad captain? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. That I'm makes Sulu a great captain. Uh, no, he's also a good captain in the new movie, uh, in, well, in uh, Star Trek Into the Darkness. Kirk leaves him in command so that he can go get Capture Khan, and he is the the one to send a message down to the planet to say uh, we are prepared to unleash the entire payload uh, and he says if you test me you will fail <laughs> and he's just so hardcore so maybe he's a really good captain. He is pretty good. <laughs> I- oh um, no. Oh no. He's- oh. You're cutting out. We're getting snatches now. Hey, I can hear you. Yay. You can hear us. Okay. Yeah we can hear you. 
the heck is that? Is that? <laughs> yeah. a Mothman just flew around? <laughs> Seriously, did you what see it? What was that? I don't no. know. We just saw like the weirdest. The massive, fast moving shadow, shadow just yeah. passed over the road. Like some giant jet flop, but it was huge. Like it must have been a big jet, but we couldn't see it in the sky. Weird. Oh, we lost him. It was going so fast. Torvald, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yay! Okay, Things seem okay now. And um, we've left that terrifying so, shadow um, behind us, so let's yeah. keep going. Mothman. <laughs> you mean um, like the the horrible conversation we were yeah, having? The, yeah, the, the specter Sulu, of that audio. That going in Sulu territory was a bad moment for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know who I do like? Uh, Brita hasn't seen this in neither of you, so. <laughs> but I like Captain Lorca from uh, Star Trek Discovery. Ah. Uh, he's actually oh, yeah. an awesome captain right up until you realize... The writers were, didn't write him very well. He was just a good actor, and the writers had a terrible plan for oh, him. No. We don't have to talk about Captain Lorca, though, because no one else has seen it. Yeah. <laughs> one comment that I wanted to make, just talking about the militaristic side of things. So, in the alternate military Star Trek universe, yes, Picard is still a captain, and I would argue is a very good captain still, even as a very militaristic man. Um, That's as the one where he by... refuses to ever surrender, right? Right. <laughs> the episode <laughs> where they just were like, they shove it in the face of the writers of the pilot and everyone on his ship dies one by one around him as they're just being bombarded by like six Romulan warbirds. And then the Romulan comes on screen and he's like, Captain Picard, your crew is dead. Surrender now. And Picard goes, that'll be the day and leaps <laughs> over the console and <laughs> runs over to the, to the gun controls and starts firing <laughs> torpedoes at them. <laughs> He's so freaking cool. But no, um, beyond that, Wait, he, he was lose? also... I mean, yeah, they, they were going <laughs> to die, but they fixed the alternate universe thing. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. That doesn't but, um, necessarily make him a good captain. <laughs> no, so that's core. why I was going to get to this. So in that episode... Um, I don't remember exactly what happens. Who is it? Is it Guinan who goes over to the alternate universe? Or... I don't remember. Uh, Do I haven't right. seen all anyway, of Next Gen. As far as I remember, in that episode, somebody kind of went from the real universe into the uh, into the military universe. Seems like and that's usually what basically happens. had to convince Picard to kind of work with them to get them back into the real universe. Yeah. And oh yeah, this was it was. I don't know if it was her. But didn't it have to do with Tasha? Well, I, she was was, I think it was. I think it was the universe where they. No, it was it was a ship. It was a ship full of people that they didn't even know who had come. No, it was they'd... the Enterprise uh, C um, yeah, that had gotten destroyed by Romulans. Yep. And uh, they like jumped through a hole that brought them back there. But I'm not sure if this is a different episode or not. Like this is uh, where I'm getting confused. Okay, well, maybe um, you. Maybe it is. But I thought it was that one. Anyway. In one episode, they they are in the alternate universe, and they are on their own ship, and it's Picard who's in command. And all I know is that despite taking a very militaristic approach to things, he also was logical and tried other options and angles. Like, he considered the scientific approach and considered, like, other ways about it, which eventually resulted in a good outcome, which brought them back, you know, to the normal universe. Yeah. Um, even though it did end up with his own ship being exploded in the uh, in the yeah. military universe, but, but you know, so it kind of shows he's a good guy. Good. Yeah, sure. Even when he's a bad guy. <laughs> Specifically, what happened in that universe yeah. in that episode? I wish we should have done some research. 
Yeah. Well, Sorry, my bad. It's almost as if none of us knew we were going to be doing this. <laughs> Another point to make about Kirk specifically, an important aspect of him as a captain and as a person is that he takes a viewpoint, which is that there is never a no-win situation. Yep. Uh, like, his viewpoint is that you can always find a way to win, even if, you know, you... Even in the most dire straits, and even if you maybe have to sacrifice yourself, you can yeah, always find cheese. a way to win, right? Mm-hmm. This is evidenced by his editing of the Kobayashi Maru program, um, which he yes. altered to reflect his worldview, which is that there is always a, a win. Um, but also, more importantly, going deeper, it, it stems from his childhood, where he grew up on a colony planet, and that planet was facing like a huge famine and drought. And basically the guy in charge decided, we're going to cull half the population. Yes. And that guy's name was Thanos. No, <laughs> no. it, was <laughs> it not wasn't Thanos. Thanos. But uh, <laughs> he did decide to kill half of the people because he was like, well, we only have enough rations and water for half of us, so half of us have to die. And Kirk was very, very adamantly against that. And he believed that even though they didn't have enough resources for all the people, they could have still found a way out. Um, and I mean, I, I think this makes him, if not a good captain, at least a very altruistic captain, even though he's more militaristic than Picard. Like, it shows that he does look for that peaceful option, right? Like, it's not like he thinks, okay, there's only enough rations for half of us, well, then half of us have to die, right? Like, he's not centered around death and destruction. Right. Just because he's, he's a little more willing to fight, rash. right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's hard to make an, uh, an argument for Kirk as the best captain. But at the same time, he was written before a lot of the other captains. And I think that, uh, I mean, it's just, I think that the main argument you'd have to make for him is that his kind of like more rash and just decisive nature is what makes an excellent captain. And they do make that argument in the show, right? Because there's the episode where Kirk gets split into two uh, and he, he has one side of him that is decisive but insane, evil and lustful and stuff. And then he has the other half of him that is very nice. Yeah. And a great actor. And a great actor. So good. <laughs> um, he has the other half of him that's very nice and, and like a good person uh, but like can't make bratty. decisions. Yeah, and starts right. just like crying when they ask him to make a decision. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't quite Kirk. do that. Um, but yeah, and so the, the idea that they're making there is that even if that that decisive part of you is tied to some very negative emotions and some very bad things, it is so necessary to be a captain that Kirk literally couldn't do it without it and that he was he was dying without it. If you make that argument that that decisiveness is what makes a captain, then perhaps you could make the argument that Kirk is the best, although I think it's clear from the way I said it that I still wouldn't make that argument. (laughs) Okay. Well, then, I have another question, because it seems like we're kind of going back and forth debating Kirk versus Picard. Um, In that case, I'm going to present to you a situation. If they each had an equal ship and an equal crew, and they were going to fight each other, (laughs) who would win? Kirk or Picard? What would happen? I mean... Despite my belief that Picard is freaking amazing, I actually think Kirk would win. <laughs> like, well, okay, and you said well, yeah, equal crew, Picard too. is like a nice guy. Yeah. And Kirk's like, you know. Right, but they're, they're going to kill each other. Like, he's like, this do is a battle to the death, and they each yes. know they're going to kill each other. So now like, we're doing no like death out. battles on this podcast. Yeah, this is a, a <laughs> yeah, bit of a departure from <laughs> our normal theme. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of a hard one to... 
a hard scenario to take, especially given that, like, in both of those shows, even though it's more highlighted with with uh, Picard, like, they usually try to find a diplomatic solution, and they usually do, yeah. right? Like, you have the like, Gorn episode where they were put in exactly this situation, where he was like, you're on this planet, you have equal resources, try to kill each other. And it still ended with him being like, no, and like, killing is not yeah, good. Often, but then, I think. But then, wait, then you have Picard's version of the Gorn episode, <laughs> where he was on a planet with a guy who said, Darmok. Yeah. When the walls fell. <laughs> and I think this evidence is that Kirk is the better captain because he got the cooler, more badass episodes. <laughs> I mean, the Gorn is like the best episode. It um, is. Uh, as a kid, I loved that Gorn so much. Dude, the Gorn's oh, amazing. The Gorn is so Great. Cool. His costume was great. And he was so good at, like, hissing. <laughs> um, yeah. And fighting so but, quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I think Rita has a good point that uh, Kirk did not kill the Gorn and he was in a death battle. He also did not kill Spock when he was in a death mm-hmm. battle. Uh, right. He instead he pretended to die himself. He didn't pretend. He, well, yeah. <laughs> no, he in died. A way, <laughs> in a way, he surrendered, right? Yeah. And I think that makes the point that like our generation, because we watched the next generation a lot, we tend to compare Picard versus Kirk, and that's where Kirk gets his reckless, right? Well, like he, yeah. being infamous for being more like the Chris Pine Kirk, right? The one who is just really rash and reckless and and all that stuff. Because compared to Picard, he is, but really, he was actually a very professional guy who could be extremely diplomatic and was only occasionally super reckless. You know, oh, definitely, uh, I fully agree. So yeah, you're saying fact, that Picard, the... that Kirk is the better captain, is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't that's think that's what, what I was saying. saying. <laughs> that's what I, I'm hearing. You could, you could say that. <laughs> but okay, I don't know. They were still at war with the Klingons during Kirk's time, right? Yes, they were. Yeah. Yeah, and during Picard's time, not saying it was his doing. <laughs> you know, Picard single-handedly he, ended this. He had a war phone his yeah, crew, Yeah, he had a Klingon man. officer. <laughs> well, it was pretty much single-handedly Picard's doing. Picard acted as the Klingon arbiter who chose the next Klingon prime minister. <laughs> like, and then he had to come back and defend that prime minister from an internal coup. <laughs> like, it, it was entirely Picard who saved the Klingon right. civilization. And Picard, that's one thing about Picard that we know is that he is very active in, I don't know if you would call it politics. He was yeah. instrumental in trying to save all of the Romulans before their their star went supernova and killed them all, which also Why created does that, that. Always happen. Well, that's where the alternate universe was created. So, like, he was yeah. working with Spock to save the <laughs> Romulans. Spock ended up going to an alternate universe. Yes. Also, back in time, but Picard was like, we know that he has evidence of being very politically involved for really altruistic reasons, even when he's not being a captain necessarily whereas we don't really have that much evidence for Kirk maybe we do I don't know yeah in some of the movies we know he becomes like an admiral and is in charge of training some people at Starfleet because he's over the Kobayashi we also, we also know that when Kirk is an admiral if he is on a ship and he's not captain he just freaks out when that captain sits down on the chair he's like <laughs> like staring at him and Scotty's like is something wrong with your chair sir because <laughs> he's not sitting oh, in the captain's Parker. chair oh Parker <laughs> yeah I think that's good evidence that he's not the best captain <laughs> no he is the best captain that's all he can do I think this is honestly going to be a very polarizing opinion but we think that Picard's the better captain 
I would. I, of course, I'm gonna go with Picard. I mean, yeah. yeah. Also, he's an amazing actor. And William Shatner know, is less Dude, than amazing. Hey, I love <laughs> William Shatner oh, I as love an William actor. Shatner. He's fine. Yeah, <laughs> he is amazing speaking, as an actor. Patrick Stewart, you know. <laughs> I know yeah. Patrick Stewart's got the chops, but William Shatner is William freaking Shatner. So we we have crowned Picard as the greatest captain. But hey, so. Against Picard, he keeps a dangerous piece of living equipment on his ship that has the ability to take over the ship and self-destruct it on a whim. That is true. I mean, it is dangerous to keep Data around. I think that... (laughs) Even if he's a nice guy. He also saves them, like, every single episode. All the time. (laughs) Not just them. He saves, like, the universe all the time. (laughs) Yeah, he's (laughs) very powerful. Um, I would say, though, that that, that this is interesting evidence. I would say it it speaks to a larger facet of Picard's personality, which is that he is, I don't know if this is quite the right term, but, like, too forgiving or gives too many chances. He is very ready to, like, give people chances, like... uh, like Data. So, for example, there are people in Starfleet who don't think Data should be an officer. And there's very good reason. And there's very good reason that he shouldn't be. But Picard is is very willing to say, like, well, let's give him a chance and let's let him try. And to say, like, yeah, actually, he's like, doing I just, very well. Right. How could the Federation ever have But counterpoint to that, what about but, when Picard no, said, shut up, Wesley. But, <laughs> and well, told Wesley actually, what a horrible officer So I was, was going to say this earlier, that one of the evidences against Picard as a good captain is that he's terrible with children. Yeah. He's so bad. But but like, like he literally couldn't even understand why Wesley blamed him when he was in comp- command when Wesley's father died, <laughs> like, and he was like baffled. Well, he takes Wesley to Starfleet Academy, and Wesley's like all excited to spend some time with Picard, and they literally spend like four hours in silence. Yeah, but who wouldn't won't... spend four hours of silence with Wesley? It's <laughs> freaking Wesley. I like Wesley. <laughs> like I counted against Picard that he humored Wesley so much over the course of Wesley's awful career. And, and back to, to my original point, though. He is like that does show a supreme lack of understanding of like human emotions and other people. That when Wesley tells him, like, I blamed you for the death of my father, Picard is shocked. Like, he had literally never thought that was even a thing, and he almost seems like he doesn't understand it. When it seems pretty obvious that a child might blame the person in command. Well, also, over if their you father. are the captain, yeah, it is your co- die, yeah. it is <laughs> Like, your it is on your shoulders. So, yeah, I think that, that that is actually some decent evidence against Picard. <laughs> I just have to say, I can't take anything Wesley ever does or says seriously because he went to the academy and then participated in his own stupid little frat party performing an awful maneuver yeah. which he got someone killed or almost got someone killed and basically yeah, should have been court-martialed but weaseled his way out of it and he lied about it to Picard and to everyone else and that yeah. was enough that single maneuver was enough to get freaking Paris who's the son of a general in jail <laughs> like Paris did the same exact thing not the same maneuver but it was his stupid idea to do a risky maneuver that put him in freaking jail for the rest of his life I mean yeah. Paris's dad General Paris I think made appearances in uh, in Next Generation the Paris uh, family saying... is surprisingly successful in the Star Trek universe they go all the way back I think to the first generation to the fall of Troy yeah <laughs> oh, Diana Troy not no not Diana not Troy not Troy. Troy oh yeah that one all the way back to when she fell down the stairs because <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paris for sure oh Paris how oh, could you <laughs> yeah they call that the fall of Troy <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, that's it. The Star Trek lore is so rich. <laughs> I don't take anything Wesley says or does as good. <laughs> He's bad. Well, okay, He's, but that, that's irrelevant whether or not you care about Wesley. Like, the, the problem there is that... Wesley. That, like, Picard didn't understand that a child would blame him for being in command with during the when his father died. And that's a situation in which it seems pretty obvious that a child might bear some resentment. And also, as Eric said, obvious that as the captain, it is your responsibility if someone dies under your command. And so, like, right. taking up, not even paying attention to the fact that it was Wesley who did this, like, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, all I know is that Picard is also very stubborn. He will not admit that there are five lights. <laughs> it's true. Clearly four lights. <laughs> what are yep. you talking about? It's this weird episode where, was it the Romulans? So this actually shows a, a very strong side of Picard, which is that he did not submit under torture and gaslighting. He refused to basically break and give in. We gotta, we gotta set this up for Brita. Yeah. So he gets kidnapped, and he's basically kept in this dark room and be tortured for a while. And this guy keeps coming in and asking him how many lights are there, and there's four. But he wants Picard to say there are five. <laughs> and he also makes Picard eat like a, an egg that has a weird wriggly living thing in it. Um, that's all they give him to eat. I haven't seen this episode in a long time, so yeah. I can't really talk about it. I just always thought it was cool that like <laughs> there are four lights because there were know, four because lights. He, but then you said at the cool. end he admits something. Well, at the end, back on the Enterprise, he says something like, "But I think at the corner of my vision, I forget what he says. There actually were five lights." Oh no! Then <laughs> <Right. laughs> that makes the whole thing pointless. But the problem, no, it's, there weren't five lights. He's saying they broke him. Oh, I see. So, I think we have to talk about another captain who I know nothing about. Oh, what? I never got to say my piece about Data. Yeah, what about Data? Go for it. What about Data? I just think it's ridiculous that the Federation could even be convinced to make a creature that has a positronic brain, like an artificial creature that was programmed and made by someone else with a brain they don't even understand into an officer, not only an officer, but a commander in the Federation. Like, I feel like that's irresponsible, as is evidenced by many different episodes (laughs) where he takes over and almost self-destructs the Enterprise. Do they understand the human brain? Do they understand the Vulcan brain? I mean, they don't understand fully any brain of any officer. So what makes Data any different? I think the problem here is the intentionality behind creating his brain. Like, the person who did this did understand and that. And the person break, who right? did this literally created an evil robot. Yep. <laughs> Their only I mean, other he created a robot that chose to be evil. <laughs> I mean, well, lots debatable. of parents have created Perhaps people that just, choose to be evil. <laughs> Perhaps he just programmed it wrong. Yeah. Or programmed <laughs> it right. Maybe he wanted well, to. Well, then you're getting an into robot. a case of how you raise your kids, right? I mean, you can program um, your kid by no, raising I'm them this badly. Is a robot. I, I don't this is think an that's Android, the not same. A kid. And what what that's... evidence do you have that that, that it's different? Well, but this, okay. So even if we do say that is the same, then then like if... I'm, well, I'm saying from the perspective of Starfleet. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> and I'm saying that like I think Starfleet would have at least some serious issues and reservations about like say uh, taking the child of a known serial killer who was raised by them to believe good is evil and evil is good and making them into a commanding officer. Like so, even by Torvald's right. So logic. you're saying Data's brother's actions should have you know he, the sins of his brother were needed to be paid for by him. 
No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that like the intentionality behind raising or behind raising a child to believe a certain thing or behind programming a robot to believe a certain thing should be considered in a way that I think Eric is saying that the Starfleet did not, that they just made him into an officer without really considering what was programmed into his positronic brain that they can't understand. Sure, but then if they say, hey, you can't be in the Federation because we don't understand your brain, what's to stop them from saying that to any other species? Right, like, but I like, think what, that's a slippery what I'm slope. saying is like, okay, so you're saying we don't understand the human brain and the human brain was made by parents intentionally, right? But at the same time, like the hum- like humans don't understand their own brain. The guy who programmed data does understand the positronic brain, right? And that makes it different that he intentionally created a brain, put, uh, put things into it that he understands that we do not. Like, I think All that's right. different. Now, I think that Noonien Sung does not fully understand Data's positronic brain. Yeah, I think he, he understands... He clearly doesn't fully understand that more. Is, yeah, <laughs> that right. is true. I think That's he understands point. the components of Data's brain, but I think that it's it's like machine learning, right? In, I mean, and of course, whatever Data is would not be the exact same as machine learning, but this is the best comparison I have. No, I understand. If you're writing a machine learning program, then once you write the program to train it, like you have it train on data. And I don't mean data the robot, I mean data the no, concept I I mean. of information. <laughs> right? And you have it train itself on data and you don't control it during this point. Like, I mean, there, there are different kinds of training where you can exercise more or less control over the machine learning algorithm. But either right. way, it trains itself and it builds its own, it's almost like a geometric shape of how it will choose an action when it yeah. reaches a decision point. So I'm saying that Data's positronic brain was like this, but so much more complex that I'm sure Dr. Noonien Sung did not sit there and wire every synapse to every other synapse. Like there must have been some amount of self-training involved there, just like in humans. No, so I think I, you're I, right. Um, and I so actually, maybe Data was the best captain. Maybe. <laughs> I actually think that might be possible. And I actually don't necessarily agree with Eric's uh, fundamental point being that it's genuinely irresponsible of of Starfleet to have him as a commanding officer, but I would say that once he has proven that he can just take over (laughs) unilaterally and do those things, that they didn't put any safeguards in place. (laughs) I I kind of do agree with Eric's point. (laughs) 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 Even though I'm arguing against it, I think that the Federation gave Data free reign over that ship. (laughs) Basically, he could do whatever he wanted and they could I mean, I feel like maybe he could be uh, peacefully studied and they could let him be a citizen and a normal person. Maybe they could even let him work as a, a you know, as a, but not as a commanding officer who, yeah. ha, who has charge over humans, right? Like well, I mean, other right. species that are, you know, other not robots. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. just a little weird. Well, I mean, but then you get down to the question of did he pass all the tests to become an officer? And if yeah. so, limiting him would be discrimination. Well, right? but also, like, he would have passed those tests, like, just so much easier than any normal being, right? Like, Doesn't that his, make him more qualified? His abilities <laughs> surpass yeah. anything. That, I think there is a pretty good argument for Data being the best captain, but I don't know that I, I have I, I can't remember. I know he's been captain yeah, exactly. in some episodes, but I just can't. I haven't rewatched. I haven't seen them soon enough to, yeah. to really make the argument, so... But wait, here is another evidence for maybe Data shouldn't be a commanding officer over normal creatures. Sure, sure. Let's uh, hear it. In the first episode, he's trying to learn how to sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't understand the concept of sneezing. How can he be an officer over people who sneeze and do 
many other things. He doesn't understand but emotions. As okay. He tries, is sneezing a qualification for being an officer? Like well, no, I said, I he passed all the tests saying... for becoming an officer. Now he wants to learn to sneeze. That's like saying he's trying to learn a magic trick. Should he become an officer no, if he learns a magic that, trick? I think what, what Eric is saying is that sneezing is, is not a magic trick. Not a magic trick. No, but I think it's representative right, of a broader spectrum of like understanding human emotion and physiology in a, in a meaningful way to engage with other humans, right? Sure, but then from Data's perspective, humans do a lot of things for no reason, right? Like sometimes I'll go, well, I'm talking. Doesn't mean yeah. anything. No, I just don't. do it every once in a while. Well, you just right? did, Eric. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't communicate stuff. Sometimes I yawn, right? Like yes. from Data's perspective, who is not a biological organism, he sees these things as things people do, and he wants to emulate them, right? right? Yeah. Just, just like you might see someone yeah. do a cool magic trick, and you want to learn it. And like, I agree he with is that. fascinated by humans. I in that episode, say, he wanted to learn about like, sneezing. What if it's not was, a bad thing. Like, what if Klingons could just make like a a weird roar sound that no one else can make. If another human was like mimicking that, would that be racist? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying data is racist it, against I mean, humans by trying be. to or would, it, would it come off that way, whether it was intentionally racist yeah. or not? No, I will say also that in terms of things that data doesn't understand about humans, though, as Torvald has pointed out, like he is a very complex learning machine. And I think he shows that he can learn to empathize and to understand these things pretty well, uh, as evidenced by the episode where uh, Diana <laughs> Troy gives birth, something that he's never seen at all and doesn't really understand, but has read about. And he is the one who stands by her side and helps her through it and does a very good job. That's true. And then when what he's dating that talking? girl and they're having a nice evening and then he gets up and says, Maybe you're not my mother. You. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. He dates a, he, uh, lady, yeah, he tries to, I remember now. And he tries to have a fight. He's just, he read that, he's like, just trying that to have a rom-com yeah, moment with her. <laughs> Perhaps the problem is with you. That <laughs> uh, date is great. And then when she breaks up with him, he's like, so is our relationship terminated? And she's like, yes. He's like, oh, okay. Then I'll delete the uh, the appropriate. He says, I'll delete the subroutine I made for our relationship. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, but, but that's pets, the most romantic thing he could have done, end. which she is programming so, you know, a subroutine just for how to interact with his beloved one, right? Yep. Like, he doesn't do that for anyone else in the Enterprise. That's true. He was being a good a good boyfriend. And also, <laughs> you know, even though he, he hooked up with Tasha Yar, not based on any emotions, he recognized that that is can be an emotional thing for humans, and he keeps a picture of her right. even after she's Whether dead. Whether he actually feels for that picture or not, yeah. he does it out of duty or something. And, and out of an understanding of humans, right? Yeah. He doesn't necessarily have emotions, but he does appreciate things. Like, things exactly. are important to him. Not, like, emotionally, like, he doesn't love them, but they are meaningful to him. Like, he, these yes. things have value to him. As evidenced by one time when uh, Jordy was uh, sick and becoming a freaky, mo veiny monster. monster. Was that the episode <laughs> when everyone was Data like, was trying. an action figure of. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we Data, did. We did. That was such a good action figure. <laughs> but Data was trying to solve this problem by doing the almost impossible task of, like, comparing a partial footprint that they found in a blurry video to every footprint ever cataloged ever in the database. And uh, I think Crusher was like, why are you doing this data? It's not going to be worth it. And he was like, well, I might not be able to feel for Jordy, but you might say that I'm highly motivated to help him. Right. Yeah. So he's he values certain things. And although yeah. not driven by emotion, he is and driven by how much 
he cares for things and people. And yeah. for not being able to feel for Jordy, like that probably is the, the strongest relationship in Star Trek is Data and Jordy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Besides Jordy and the ship. <laughs> <laughs> we programmed and into a holographic <laughs> girl. Jordy and any mechanical thing. <laughs> yeah. Data is the best captain. <laughs> That's what we're saying. Every time he performed as captain, he did things no other captain could. <laughs> like, yes, true. that is true. I mean, he can command the whole ship on his own. Yeah, so. there's one more captain we need to discuss, though. Captain Riker. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, but no, it's Riker true. Riker, he Kirk? should get a little discussion. The well, second in command. But like... similar to your argument of Pike being Kirk Light, yeah, wouldn't no, Riker be? Yeah. I was actually going to say that, and then I was like, I already said that. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I mean, I think Riker does a pretty good job. I mean, that woman says she, he's not capable of making the big decisions, and then he fires on Captain Picard as a Borg, so. <laughs> I mean, he does a lot of cool things. Which ship would win in a race? Like the USS Enterprise. You know, Kirk's Enterprise or the Excelsior. What? Oh, oh. well, I mean, the Excelsior. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Excelsior it's, it's had like, blue. it had the Infinity Engine or something. Right. And it's got like <laughs> racing stripes. Like it had stripe. like it had long blue marks on, you know, it just looked faster. <laughs> no, that was, the, it was, that was the Excelsior's special thing, which was it, it had the new engine and it could accelerate better or something. So that's why, yeah. Like, accelerate. Except yeah. it's spelled completely different. It's the Accelerate CR. <laughs> So yeah, I think conclusively Picard is the best captain And Excelsior is the fastest ship <laughs> Yes So Brita, how many thumbs ups does, does that theory get? Uh, I mean it gets one fin up Yeah <laughs> Alright, one fin up Also Brita was, was wounded when she was a lone shark She only has one fin That's right so, That's <laughs> oh, pretty no. good rating yeah. no, I, right, mean, I, I think I need to know more about your rating scale to figure out how well, we're, we're no, you we don't need phase, to know anymore we might phase it, it out okay. it's, we're not it's sure leaving we're even going to use it <laughs> we used to do thumbs up but we're not sure we're going to keep doing that now you, give pop, you do bags of popcorn but then that, like yeah. it's a, not a very good scale either because the popcorn isn't real right then we'd have to say is it is the popcorn real or not but then we'd have to define what not being real is I think if it's real you believe the theory. Uh, so, Frida, is this popcorn? Gosh, that sounds No, stupid. I think is if it's real, you believe real? the original. And then, if no, it's no, not you, real, you believe the theory. You say, is this popcorn real? And then if the answer is yes, then you do a crunch sound of eating the popcorn. It was a good question. Thank you for sparking that discussion. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our awesome discussion of Star Trek. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed hearing about all the various captains and how they compare to each other. Uh, this has been Leif Eric and my brother Torvald, and my uh, road movie buddy, uh, sister Frida, and we will see you guys later. Thank you so much for listening. Opening music for this episode was provided by Christine. If you want to see how our theory holds up, we provide links in the episode description where you can enjoy the media we discuss. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And remember, the popcorn isn't real.